Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. We are in the middle of a series where we are filling our mama toolbox, not only with tips and tricks, yes, I'm giving you some of those, but really I am praying with a long-term mindset that will help you engage your children in the short term, but with a long-term perspective so that you understand I what I am doing now is going to lay tracks down and put a framework in place for my child to become in the future. We last week talked about how do we impact them in their personhood? What are some ways that we can be really purposeful and things we can begin to put into our home that can help as we are trying to work out this Deuteronomy 6 calling as a mom, which says we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And then we're to talk about it everywhere we go. You know, it said you are to teach this diligently to your children. Talk about it when you sit down, when you rise, when you walk along the way. Put it in front of your eyes. Put it as uh, on your doorpost, on your gates, meaning this The truths of walking with God are to be ever-present in our conversation and in the way we interact with our kids. But what does that really mean? So last week we talked about, well, if we're really trying to become and create purposeful opportunities to speak into the lives of our children, gospel-centered conversations, then we want to create or encourage our children to become creative, independent, thoughtful, content people. Because those are the spaces where true conversation happens, where true life change can occur is when they are able and we are creating opportunities for that kind of conversation. So this week, we're going to be looking at it from kind of a different perspective. And again, I want to encourage you to understand something. These are just tools. You know, when you go and you do a project and you carry it, somebody carries in all of their tools, they may not pull out tools. They may only pull out some tools very, very rarely, but some tools they're using all the time. So last week, some of the tools we were talking about was the ideas of a catechism, of teaching truths into our kids, even if they don't have a full understanding of it. We talked about why would we want to have reading aloud and then Why would we want to use this concept of room time with our children? What are these things helping push into the lives of our children, into the patterning, the habits of our kids, and therefore the habits of our family? And how can that help us establish a bandwidth, establish some space in our home that we can have gospel-centered conversations? 
And one primary one was within this idea of room time, which then leads into reading time when your child is much older, where they, where you in essence say, this is your time. I'm, I'm telling you, this is your time to get some quiet, good, creative time on your own. No, we're not running around outside right now. No, we're not running around in the house right now. Everybody's going to quiet time. Then that becomes your time, my time in our homes to sit with the Lord, where we can have that quiet time we so desperately need so that we are people with a full tank that overflows the love, the abiding time that we have with the Lord overflows into our home. But if we are dry wells because we're not filling, because we're not taking the time to fill, because we're not creating the environment that allows us to take the time to fill, then it's really hard to speak about the love of God when we're really not tapped into it. I know that's very true for me. And when I go back in my home and I look when I'm in a hard season with my kids and I go back and I actually assess, I can usually find, because I am the temperature setter in my home, I am the one who sets the tone during the day, I find that it's me. I need more of Jesus. So then it becomes, how do I get more of Jesus? And we shared last week that for me, there are so, so many years where it was impractical for me to think I could get up at five to spend quiet time with the Lord before my kids got up at six. And if that was you, room time will be your best friend. It will give you that space to get that opportunity to sit with Jesus. So now this week, we're talking about interpersonal skills. These are tools that we are looking to sow into the lives of our children to help them, whether it's in relationships with us, relationships with other siblings, relationships with their friends, their peers, and then ultimately relationships with other authority, whether it's school or work one day. These are going to be the skill sets that they are going to need. We in our home have sayings for them because I have found that it is easier to teach a saying, teach a a phrase and have it be representative of a lot of concepts so that that child has a quick snapshot picture. And then in conversation, we can talk about it um, in a way that is actually life giving versus, versus shaming them or bringing condemnation. And we've, we talk a lot on this podcast about speaking words of life over our children, of calling out in them what is possible. And so we're going to talk today about being a problem solver, being a peacemaker, making an excellent appeal, and being a prayer warrior. So four concepts that we want to talk about today, because we're intentionally sowing these seeds down in our children's lives to call them forth from our kids. Now, again, these are things that it goes without saying that if you have a child who is saved, these are spaces where the Holy Spirit grows massive fruit in your child's life in these areas, massive fruit. But at the same time, We also want to be purposing in our mind 
These are things I'm, I'm already laying this track work down for my child. I'm already saying, I know you can be. I'm encouraging you to become. This is how Jesus will help you become this one day. This is, you want to long to be this way. This will help you in life. So from an early age, we're having conversations with our kids about these things. So let me break them down for you. The first one is making an appeal. So from an early time, obedience is important with kids, right? And we realize really quickly that our child is, has been born with a sin nature and they're going to not want to obey. So what though can we do and what can we help build within our child that teaches them the importance of obeying their mom and dad? Why would we want them to obey us? Well, we would want them to obey us because number one, it keeps them safe. That's practical. The spiritual context of that though, is God commands it. God says from the very beginning of time in the Ten Commandments, children, honor your mother and father. And it is the only commandment with a promise. And what what was that promise? It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. There's a promise associated with this patterning of obedience. And ultimately in the New Testament, what we see is that obeying God is this out this outgrowth, this wellspring that comes from a heart who understands I have been radically saved and changed. And so my natural reaction post salvation is I want to obey God. So beginning this conversation of your, I know you don't want to obey because that's our flesh that doesn't want to obey our flesh. You know, it says all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone our own way is what Isaiah says. Because our flesh, every single one of us says, no, I want to do it my way. And so obeying your parents is hard as a kid because you want to do it your own way. It highlights in that moment this beautiful picture of sin. So even a very young child can see, oh, that's falling short. That's missing the mark, which which is what sin is. That's missing the mark of holiness. So it's easily displayed. Remember, the purpose of the law, the purpose of the Ten Commandments is not that we would do it perfectly, but that we would absolutely see we cannot do it. So none of us is fooled into thinking that our child can obey us perfectly. So we shouldn't be resentful, frustrated, or angry when they disobey. It is a beautiful opportunity to squat down and say, you're not obeying, are you? You're missing the mark of walking well, walking rightly, of doing what God says, which is children obey. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. It was it was hard for me when I was little to obey my mom and dad. It's hard for me now as a, your mommy to obey God. But the reason I'm teaching you to obey me is because one day I want you to know how to obey God. So that's this early conversation, right? But inside of that, We want to help them do another thing, which is learn how to appeal. Because while obedience is important and a heart that it says, I will, I understand that you are wise and you understand the way I should walk. There is still room 
for them to have an idea, to have a thought. Isn't that where obedience sometimes gets sticky for you and me as parents? When it becomes, well, if I'm just demanding they become rote robots who do everything I say, is what is that? And so I want to, this first idea for interpersonal relationship, teaching into our child, is for the heart that is obedient. So I say to my child, this is what I need you to do. And they respond back with, yes, ma'am. Okay. So they're responding back with obedience. There is space there from the same, can I do an, can I do an appeal? Can I ask for it to be done differently? And then I will listen to what their appeal is. I know you want me mom to do this, but I was wondering, can I first finish this chapter in the book I'm reading and then immediately go and do it? Well, what does that do? It allows the space to happen. They're not arguing with me. They're not talking back with me. They've already acknowledged. Yes, I understand that this is something you're asking me to do for. And I want to obey. I want to honor you. They're speaking respectfully in the process. There's not the back talk. This is key, especially in those when our children are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, when they're beginning to go, I don't want to do that. Why should I do that? That's a terrible idea. This is the way that your child can express respectfully. There's another way we could do this. Could you at least consider it, mom? And then I can say, hmm, that does sound like a better way. Let's do it your way. Or I can say, no, we still need to do it this way. But I've given a space for them to give their thoughts. That's the first concept that we want to kind of begin to layer into parenting. Now, remember, there are some keys there. The first key is this is something that we teach them as they're growing. So it's not really something I give to a two-year-old to be able to do. It's something that requires thought. They need to have an understanding of what I'm asking them to do. It requires acknowledgement. They need to already have a heart saying, yes, I'll obey you. I'll do what you are asking me to do. And then they can respectfully say, can I talk to you about a different way or different timing that I would like to see this be done? And then finally, their heart has to be, I accept if you say no to me. So when those things are in place, giving an appeal is a beautiful relational tool. It sets them up wonderfully inside of school or work environments to learn how to communicate with other authority because they have learned to say, I understand your perspective. May I share mine? And that other person goes, sure. And then they share their perspective and there can be discourse. There can be conversation. So that's the first one. The second one that we really want to work on with our children is beginning to speak into them. I know you can be a problem solver. I know you can be a problem solver. In the culture that we are parenting in, it is, I think, probably the most helicopter-oriented parenting culture. I, I don't think other years have been nearly this much centered on the child and me as the mom and the dad, the, the mom and the dad being the source of solving the problems for the child as it is in this, uh, this generation. But we want to be parents who are saying, I know you can be a problem solver with God on your side, 
lining it up with scripture, I know you can solve this problem. God can help you, even if you have no ideas. So the way that I speak this in from a very young age is when my children come to me and it is something that I could easily solve for them, I will usually say, I know you can be a problem solver. Well, how could we solve this problem? And I will wait for them to try and figure out an answer. I may lead them through some thinking, some thoughts, some steps, some questions that might help lead them to the answer if they really struggle with thinking independently. But I am trying to lay down tracks that say, I know you can solve this problem. And the reason is there's going to be a lot of problems they're going to have in life. It is a skill for our child to have a flexible mindset, a mindset that is soft enough to come up to a problem and not shatter, but instead to go, hmm, what can I do differently? How can I change this? What could I do to get around this? How can I solve this? What we want to layer into that idea of, I know you can be a problem solver, is as they go and as they grow in their faith walk, is saying, the best problem solver I know is God, and he is interested in this problem. Have you asked him? You see, when we begin to layer that in and say, you know, God is interested in whether or not you know how to find that lost thing you've lost in this house, because that's a problem. My kids lose things all the time. We need, to, we need to ask God to help, help us know where it is. We're beginning to learn how to problem solve. And we're beginning to learn to go, you know, God is engaged in my life. And he cares about the things that bother me, that are problems for me. And he is walking with me and, and will empower me and give me wisdom and give me insight. So we want to teach and speak into our children, I know you can solve this problem. So I will help you solve the problem, but I will not solve the problem for you. I will accompany you if you need to go make right something you've made wrong. I will accompany you if you need to go make an appeal. I will, I will be with you in it. I don't abandon you. Because remember, God never abandons them. So again, we're the modeling of who God is spiritually. So we don't abandon, but... We walk with them, we give them insight, we give them wisdom, but we are saying, I know you can do this. So that's number two, problem solver. Number three is we are calling our children to be peacemakers. Now this idea is we are calling our children to be others oriented. This is absolutely anti our natural sin tendency. So this is something that needs spirit help, right? This is something you will see grow when your child loves Jesus and his Jesus is their savior and the spirit is indwelling them and they're beginning to follow God and you this is fruit and you will see fruit in this and you should you should absolutely call that out in your child and say I see you being a peacemaker more and more and more and I have been praying that God will be growing that in you as you are walking with him. But we can also still lay the track down. Hey, you know, this is what being a peacemaker looks like. Why? Because when we are naturally not a peacemaker, it once again declares we, that is sin. And we need Jesus for that. It is not for you and I to get frustrated, to be offended, to be like, I can't believe you wouldn't, that all you do is fight. I can't believe that you wouldn't make peace. No, that's normal. 
They don't want to make peace. They don't want to obey. None of us do. So we shouldn't be shocked when we see those behaviors, sinful behaviors. They're the opportunity for the gospel. But when we begin to say, I know I am praying for you to learn how to be a peacemaker. And I know that when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you surrender your thinking to the Holy Spirit, he is going to grow more and more in you an ability to make peace with others. So an other-oriented way to look at the world is what is needed to be a peacemaker, isn't it? So how do we talk about that in our home? In our home, we call it flipping the script. So in parenting a child who is struggling to make peace, after we've already walked them through, wow, do you think this is working? Are you being kind? You know, When we're beginning to walk inside of that, that framework, that lens, so the inability to make peace highlights a need for a savior, but we need to take that apart and break it down so we can understand what lies all the way at the bottom of that, because that's where Jesus really applies and the gospel really applies. So inside of that, flipping the script says, I'm going to take whatever their interaction issue is and who I believe is maybe the, the guilty party first although usually both of them are the guilty party, but I'll take the first one that I think. And I will say to that child, how do you think it would feel if so-and-so was doing that to you? How would it make you feel? And what I'm beginning to help and create a conversation around is I want you to get outside of the way you feel right now and what you're thinking and your defensive posture and your angry, you know, fist clenched, standing there posture that you're going to stand your ground for your rights. And I actually want to help soften your heart and open your mindset so that you can think about how would it make me feel if someone treated me that way? Generally, I will take the concept of what's happening. I will make whoever is doing it now to them be somebody older, somebody more influential in their lives or somebody they really like, somebody else, not so much the person that they're in the argument with. And I'll say, what would it feel like? And you know, so an easy one for me is, what would it feel like if daddy told you he would never let you come in his room? Would that hurt your feelings? Would you feel sad? Would you wonder why he wouldn't let you in his room? So I'm changing it a little bit, changing the script. Maybe I've changed what he wouldn't let happen, but it's in essence the same story. But now it's happening to that person. Because I want to expand their mindset, help them see an other-oriented viewpoint. Why? Because it says continually in Scripture, each of us should look not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. It says, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. It calls us to be really different in the way we interact, different than our sinful tendency, different than the world. To be others-oriented, to be a peacemaker is radically different from the world. And one of the ways we can have that conversation is begin to flip the script around and begin to open them up a little bit. What would it feel like? What would you think? What would you want to happen if that was happening to you? Now, what do you think so-and-so is feeling? How do you think they want this to go? And I bring it back to the engagement that we're in. 
When we begin to help them think about others first, we're also teaching them that peacemaking requires communication. So that conversation also is, tell me, how did you communicate your side? Did you communicate clearly? Did you share your heart? Or did you just scream and yell? Did you react? Or did you, after you communicated and they were rejecting your communication, did you just react against them? Or did you come and get help? We're beginning to teach them these key concepts that peacemaking is really the best way to go. And I know you can become a peacemaker. And I'm praying that God will begin to work in your life and strengthen you to become a peacemaker because you are his child. So if they're saved, that's my conversation. If they're not saved, it's, I know that you can see that this is wrong. It's wrong when somebody else doesn't make peace with you and it hurts your heart. But it's an indication you really need Jesus because he's the only one who can help you make peace because he is the best peacemaker that's ever been. Because you and I were at war with God because of our sin. And Jesus stepped in and said he would die for us to make peace for us. So that's how the conversation goes. We want to help them learn how to make peace. And then the final one is we want to help our children begin to have such an other-oriented viewpoint that they begin to feel called to pray for other people and not just pray for themselves. How can we pray for this other person who's hurting or who's sad or who doesn't want to make peace with us or who is, you know, struggling or whatever? How can we pray for them? How can we pray right now for our friendship? How can we pray that they will know Jesus. And we begin to engage them in a conversation that says, what does praying actually mean? It's just a conversation with God. So if you have a problem that needs to be solved, how can we pray about it? What can we talk to God about? Does he care about this stuff? Yes. When your kids get to be teenagers, this is a critical component for them to understand because the enemy is screaming at them that God could care less about their problems. Their problems are not significant enough. It is the way he begins to creep in and, and um, isolate our kids. As he convinces them that their stuff is uninteresting and unimportant to a faraway God. And so the more we can begin to speak into their lives about praying, about engaging with God, that God is listening and he is leaning in and he hears everything and he is attentive to your prayers. He's attentive to your cries and your tears. And he wants you to know that he is listening and he is going to act on your behalf. The more we can help them understand that, the more they can be confident in their walk with God. These four things, they're tools in a toolbox. They, they should be pulled out in conversations. I know you can be a problem solver. How could you make an appeal here so that I would know your heart instead of you just walking off in a huff and stompily, stonily obeying because you just were so resistant, but you're going to do it anyway because your mom's mean. How can, how can I hear your heart? That's making an appeal. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? And then what does it mean to pray? Because God really cares about what's going on in your world. 
These are interpersonal skills that will do huge wonders when we intentionally call them out in our child. Why? Because it goes back to Deuteronomy 6, where it says, talk about these things all along the way. This is how we talk about it all along the way. Because it's when we're walking that these things happen. It's when we're going, getting up in the morning, when we're lying down at night. When, when, when life is happening, that's where God applies. And then there will be those moments where it talks about Deuteronomy 6.20 when it says, when your son asks you in time to come. There are those moments where all of a sudden your, kid, your child will turn to you and say, I mean, what is this even all about and how does it apply to me? And when the track's been laid down, we can begin to have those gospel conversations that are so fruitful that we've been praying for, right? As always, I want you to reach out to me. Uh, Send me a DM on Instagram. I am there. And I talk to a ton of moms all the time about stuff going on in their homes. You can reach out to me through my uh, website, bethanykimsey.com. These are the things that we are talking about. We talk about these truths and these concepts over in the Warrior Motherhood Collective. Uh, Mom to mom, we are working these things out in real ways because there is no other way that we can learn how to do this except actually to walk through it. And when we walk through it together and in community with one another, we will grow richly. So I encourage you to go check that out as well and see you might want to get on the wait list for that. It's um, a beautiful space that you can be a part of uh, coming this fall. As always, reach out to me and let me know what you think. Thanks for being at the table today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.